everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as always, alongside me, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? Very good. Uh, nothing much going on. It was uh, some nice time down from uh, watching some hockey, but um, got to see some of the all-star action. But other than that, just uh, pretty much same old, same old on my end. So, Robbie, the All-Star Game is in the rearview mirror. The All-Star Game also officially, uh, many people declare the start of the, uh, the unofficial start of the second half of the NHL's regular season. With the All-Star Game in the books, uh, the Penguins will continue on what is going to be a pretty condensed, uh, pretty condensed schedule throughout the month of February. And their first game back from the All-Star break was against the Boston Bruins up in Boston, TD Garden, historically a place that the Penguins have not had uh, a lot of success in recent times. But, Robbie, looking at this game, the Penguins are officially declared victors by a score of 4-2. to two. And, Robbie, let's, let's be honest, looking at this game, the Penguins, in my estimation, were thoroughly outplayed. The Bruins put 45 shots on Tristan Jari. The Penguins only mustered 25. The Bruins win 55% of their faceoffs. They go one for three on the power play. But it only matters in one place, Robbie. It matters on the score sheet. And there's a little bit of resilience by the Penguins seen in this game as David Pasternak gets uh, two goals back-to-back here in the first period of play, his 23rd of the season coming at the 2:01 mark of the first period on the power play, Boston out to a 1-0 lead. And Pasternak, as I mentioned, gets on the board with five minutes to go before the end of the first period. Boston heads into the first intermission uh, up two goals to nil over the Penguins. However, former Boston Bruin Danton Heinen is now in the double-digit club this season with 10 goals on uh, on the season for the forward. Uh, he would get the Penguins on the board at the 418 mark of the second, and then Danton Heinen would get another goal of his own, goal number 11, ties the game up for the Penguins at the 446 mark of the second period. Sidney Crosby would follow on the power play, getting his 13th goal of the season and number 499 of his illustrious career at the 12.53 mark. Going into the third period of play, Brian Rust uh, at the 18.31 mark, I believe that was an empty netter, gets the Penguins the fourth and final goal. So, Robbie, all of the statistics that I mentioned before going into the scoring recap pretty clearly paint a picture of Boston outplaying Pittsburgh. And, uh, uh, Robbie, I, I think the MVP of this game should pretty pretty much clearly go to Tristan Jari. Jari made some incredible 10-bell saves. Uh, he obviously stopped uh, – let me see here. He stopped – he made 43 saves on 45 shots, good for a 9.56 save percentage. Obviously gets the win here. Robbie, uh, as I mentioned at the start of the show, the Penguins historically have not uh, gotten a lot of success in re- recent years against the Bruins and up in Boston. Uh, so I'll hand it over to you and to get your thoughts. What did you like or dislike from the Penguins' 4-2 to win over the Boston Bruins? Yeah, as has been the case for a good bit of this year, it is, it's a Tristan Jari show in this game against Boston, and they needed 
every one of those 43 saves uh, to get that victory uh, on on Tuesday night. He was great again. I mean, the two goals that he gave up, you can't blame on him. That's just a good goal scorer in David Pasternak uh, doing what he does better than almost anyone in the NHL. So, yeah, you can't put those on him. And then after those two goals in the first period, that door was shut for the evening. And Tristan Jari was once again um, a borderline MVP or, or Penguins MVP and Vezina uh, type performance out of uh, number 35 there. Uh, it's just crazy to think about um, after looking back at the last time we saw Jari at the end of last season in that series against the Islanders, what he's turned into this year. And, I mean, it's all going to. The playoffs are going to be what tells the story uh, for the Penguins and Jari as it has the past 15, 16 years. But so far, so good. And credit to Ron Hextall for uh, for sticking with him. But as good as Jari was, again, that Penguins resilience and that comeback fight showed up again. You got uh, Danton Heinen, some of that depth scoring finally coming through a little bit. Uh, two goals in 28 seconds, so against his former team where he performed so well. And this is, I mean, he's playing like he did in Boston. That's what having that kind of talent around a guy like Heinen can do. And the two goals that brought them even. And then uh, Sidney Crosby gets number 499. uh, That turned out to be the game winner uh, before Brian Rust uh, puts the icing on the cake uh, late in the third period with an empty netter. And um, as much as this game meant for the Penguins, I think what everybody was talking about was uh, the chaos the very end after the Penguins were up 4-2 uh, featuring um, Tristan Jari and of course everybody's favorite pest Brad Marchand. Uh, Marchand got a six game suspension out of punching Jari slash high sticking him in the face um, after the long after the whistle. Um, just I, I mean yeah that's it seems typical. I don't know what Jari said or Jari did to to get under Marchand's skin but he clearly did something wrong and he clearly said something that Martian didn't like, and Martian went full Martian. And that was the story that really that um, kind of came out of this game and was still being talked about a few days later as he was suspended and debates on what all happened and, you know, the same old, same old that we get when this kind of stuff happens. But at the end of the day, the two points, a big two points against a, a good Boston team, that they're not fully healthy. They're without Patrice Bergeron. Uh, Tuka Rask was out and has since retired uh, from playing hockey. They're missing quite a few pieces. They're not the same old big bad Bruins that were dominating that division a few years ago. But uh, the TD Garden's not been a friendly place to the Penguins. So anytime you can go in there and get two points, uh, you got to be happy about it. Robbie, it's a good thing you brought up the the, the Brad Marchand incident at the end, uh, towards the end of regulation there. Uh, Personally, I expect nothing less from Marchand. He's developed a reputation uh, since his career started. Uh, and we described him, I described him uh, on Pensburg as a pest. You just called him a pest there. Uh, I think that's a, a rather gener- generous way of describing Marchand at this point of, in his career, obviously being a repeat offender. And we're not, I'm not going to go spend too much more time on the Marchand incident uh, he tried to get a reaction out of the Penguins and out of Jari. That's the kind of player uh, that, that Marchand is. He wants to get under your skin and stir the pot. The one thing I will say, Robbie, before we move into the main segment, 
is, and I believe Adam Gretz posted uh, an article about this very topic over at Pennsburg.com, was the fact that the Penguins did not need to retaliate with fisticuffs to match Brad Marchand. And uh, I, I applaud Mike Sullivan. You know, it, it's been his his mantra, his style of play for the last six plus years. And it's been two words. It's been that catchphrase. It's been just play. There's no need to engage in that kind of behavior. That's exactly what Marchand wants you to do. He wants you to retaliate. And Chris Letang was one of the few players who saw what happened to Jari. Letang did try to go after Marchand and, and try to answer for what Marchand did to Jari there towards the end of the game. He was eventually stopped by one of the officials as Marchand was ejected, uh, given a, a match penalty and sent off into for an early shower. But, Robbie, uh, before we go further, I, I just want to say, and you can add after this if you'd like, but credit to Mike Sullivan for sticking to his mantra of letting the results speak for themselves. Yes, the Penguins were outplayed in Boston, and Tristan Jari was deservedly the MVP of that game. But the mantra of just play, stick to our game, don't let the pests of the NHL like Marchand get under your skin, and we'll let the results speak for themselves. I don't think the, the Penguins need to go out. We have this discussion, Robbie, almost every year uh, about the Penguins going out and trying to acquire a Ryan Reeves-esque forward for more muscle for a playoff run. And at this point, Robbie, we're, we're, you're wasting a roster spot for a more deserving player. You look at the chemistry that's developed with this Penguins team, and all of a sudden you want to bring in a, a grinder or an enforcer like a Ryan Reeves to put on that fourth line just to try and retaliate after uh, a Brad Marchand goes after a Crosby or a Malkin in a playoff series. There's no need for it, how the Penguins are playing right now. So uh, just a quick side note, credit to Mike Sullivan, credit to the players for managing to keep their cool uh, towards the end of that situation, which was obviously Marchand's intent. That was, he won, He wanted to get under the skin of all of those players. He knew it was a lost cause at that point. Again, I don't know what was said. We weren't obviously down there at ice level, but that is in the rearview mirror, and Marchand is suspended for the next six games, as you mentioned, Robbie. Uh, Robbie, moving into our, our main segment this week, this week's podcast is going to be a little light in nature due to the lack of, of game action, only one game to recap against the Bruins, but there is a, a notable thing to talk about, Robbie, this week, uh, and that is Sidney Crosby, who scored in that uh, Bruins game, as I mentioned earlier, he sits at 499 career regular season goals. Uh, 500 is obviously a, a massive milestone, Robbie, for, for any player in any era, um, so Robbie, this week I wanted to have a, a quick run down memory lane. I know we've, we've waxed poetic about Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in the past, uh, during other, uh, incredible career achievements, but as, as Crosby sits on the precipice of career goal number 500, Robbie, I just want to get your thoughts on what are some of your favorite regular season Sidney Crosby goals. Oh, man. Again, we have 499 uh, to pick up, and we're not even counting uh, the playoff ones. So, uh, boy, man, there's so there's I mean, so many to pick from. I mean, you have the ones where he's sliding on the ice, laying down. Uh, you have oh, man, there's just oh, man, there's a ton. You have uh, was against the, the Devils uh, uh, two or three seasons ago where he the overtime goal where he literally baseballed it uh, off, or off the post and into the goal. 
Uh, that's it. He had a street. He had a run there that season of like three or four, ga- three or four goals where he was knocking them out of the air. Uh, there was one against Carey Price, I think, that same season where he literally batted it to himself and knocked it in. Uh, Crosby he is such a unique goal scorer because he does it so many different ways. And um, yeah, we're not even talking about the playoff goals here. So uh, there's so many that you look back on that it's almost even hard to remember. Um, exactly. I mean, you pick out the ones, the the highlight real ones. Uh, I saw him uh, in person score a hat trick against the uh, Florida Panthers back in 2017 uh, before they uh, went on to win their second straight Stanley Cup. Uh, boy, um, I remember his first goal uh, against the Boston Bruins, his second game of his career. Uh, I believe that Brian Leach played for the Boston Bruins and Mark Reddy was on the Penguins and a whole a whole bunch of uh, uh, names to look back on in that game when Crosby scored uh, his first career NHL goal. Um, I, the next one's going to be mem- memorable whether he does it um, whatever way he does it. Slap shot, wrist shot, backhand, deflection. It doesn't matter. You had the ones where he scores from behind the goal line. I know. Remember him doing that to uh, was it Antti Niemi uh, when he played for the Stars, bouncing it off his back uh, and into the goal. There was, uh, yeah, there's a laundry list. He scored so many different ways. He's so he's so creative. He's so uh, just good at what he does that it, it, it's it's impossible to pick uh, just one. And it just even the years where. That like that he was just scoring all the time, assist goals, it, like everything. He always did it different ways. I remember his 50th goal, uh, the year he, he finally hit 50. Um, he won the Rocket Richard twice in his career. Um, yeah, the deflections between the legs, and then the goals that don't count as goals: the shootout winner against Montreal as a rookie, the shootout winner in. In Buffalo, in the, the first Winter Classic in 2008, uh, and then getting the game I covered, the outdoor game I covered, where he scored back at Heinz Field uh, all those years after the concussion occurred at that very same the same place outside against the Capitals, this one against the Flyers. Uh, the relief you saw in his face that night when, uh, when he scored. It's just, I mean, when you talk about Crosby and goals, he's not going to score – seven eight hundred like Ovechkin but uh, the way he does it has been remarkable to watch uh, all these years that uh, it's really hard to pick uh, just one but the more I talk about the more pop into my head um, as memorable but uh, this is something we could definitely talk about for for hours go onto YouTube and watch uh, different highlight videos he scored uh, just so many tremendous goals in his career and so many clutch goals and so many just uh, timely goals that will go down in franchise history is not only spectacular, but uh, important as well. Robbie, I have, a, I have a question for you after I get done just mentioning a few of my favorites as well. Uh, there's two goals out of the, like you said, we're not even talking about playoff goals in this discussion, but there's two regular season goals that are forever imprinted in my head. Uh, the the first one being the 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 return game 
uh, November 21st, 2011 uh, against the Islanders. Uh, that was the the first goal. I think he he had that night. He had two goals and oh, four yeah. points. Mm-hmm. The first goal he scores, and then he swings around to the boards, and he does like a fist pump, and the crowd is going crazy. Uh, I, I remember watching that live when it happened, and uh, it, I, I could you could if you could, if you're a good lip reader, you could read Crosby's lips that night. Uh, he he said a a rather well known uh, expletive with uh, starting with the letter F that I won't say mm-hmm. here obviously but uh, seeing the elation on Crosby's face after his first game back in 320 days after at that point Robbie we obviously didn't know if Crosby was going to play again after the concussion or if he was going to play again what kind of player he would be after after having those setbacks for so long but coming back with with such an exclamation point during the early portion of that first period against the Islanders is is something that I'm going to remember forever. The second goal, uh, I I remember writing about it on Pennsburg. I think it was during the pandemic and we were just writing a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, a bunch of, a bunch of random topics throughout the week. Uh, I went back and looked at some of Crosby's highlights. You mentioned the 2017 season. There is one goal that I called it. I think I called it the statue goal that if Crosby ever gets a statue erected, which obviously he should outside of PPG Paints Arena, it should be the the one-handed, it was the one-handed goal against the Sabres in, like I think it was March of uh, 2017. Uh, it, it was uh, just a, just an amazing sight. The, the hand-eye coordination and the strength to pull that off and the speed at which Crosby scores with just one-handed obviously is impressive alone. Factor in everything else, Robbie, that Crosby does uh, at such a high level and at 34 years of age, and we're continuing, we're continuing to marvel at all of these successes that Sidney Crosby has accrued over his uh, illustrious, obviously Hall of Fame career. Like you said, Robbie, when you started, there are 499 soon to be 500 goals. We could we could be here for hours, like you said, uh, going through highlights on YouTube of of Crosby and some of his greatest regular season goals. But, Robbie, the, the, before we get to the mailbag, there's a question I have that I, I just popped into my head. Uh, I didn't have it r- written down in the outline. You, you mentioned that Crosby, he's not going to score 700 or 800 goals. He's not going to break Wayne Gretzky's uh, all-time goals record. But I have a question for you nonetheless. Do you think, do you think if Crosby plays for five to seven more seasons – do you think he eclipses Mario Lemieux's uh, Penguins career total of 690, nine, 690 career uh, goals? I think that he has, assuming he stays healthy and assuming that he's still uh, Sidney Crosby or at least some uh, form of Sidney Crosby uh, in that time frame, I think that he absolutely could. Because, I mean, you have the rest of this season. He's clearly got, I mean – he seems to have a good bit left in the tank. Um, I think six nine. I mean, that's not exactly uh, um, out of the question. I think, and I think if again, I always thought Mario would try to find a way to get to seven hundred. Uh, unfortunately, injuries and um, just health issues prevented him from uh, ever getting to that mark. And I really think that. Uh, if he plays that amount of time, if he's if he if he gets that number, he's going to surpass Mario's all-time points total for Penguins history too. He's less than 400 away with 
I mean, the rest of this season, he could potentially, depending on just how hot he gets the rest of the season, could be over 1,400 points by the end of this this season. That would put him within uh, 323 points. I think that Crosby, there's a very good chance that uh, Crosby will retire as the Penguins' all-time leading points getter, goal scorer, um, and go down as obviously one of the the one of the two greatest players in team history. So, um, yeah, I think that if he could stay there, I really think that um, that 690 number is very much in play if Crosby can uh, remain healthy and uh, productive as an NHL player. Keep it locked over at pensburg.com and here at the Pensburg podcast. And we'll continue to cover Sidney Crosby's season as he uh, marches towards goal number 500, which could come as soon as I believe later this evening or uh, as we record. I think, uh, Robbie, do they play this evening? We're recording this on Thursday. Do they play the Senators tonight or tomorrow? Tonight, Thursday. Yeah, okay, so... Crosby could score goal number 500 as soon as tonight against the Senators. So, like I said, keep it locked in over at pensburg.com for all the latest news uh, regarding Sidney Crosby and the rest of the Penguins. Robbie, we're going to switch it over to the mailbag now for first-time listeners or long-time listeners who are interested in participating in the mailbag segment. You can do so by following our Pensburg podcast Twitter account, Every week we'll put out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. We love getting all sorts of uh, great questions from all of our loyal listeners. This week we have three really interesting questions uh, coming. Robbie, as always, you'll get first crack at the mailbag. Question number one comes from Brian, and he asks this. Now that the All-Star Weekend has come and gone, it got my imagination going. Who do you think would win in the hardest shot contest between these five players? Shea Weber, Zdeno Chara, Bobby Hall, Alexander Ovechkin, and Al McInnes. Uh, well, um, I think, is Chara still the all-time lead? Does he still have the fastest ever, or is it Weber? I can't uh, really remember. Um uh, which one it is, but I mean, for the long period there, Chara was uh, basically the the unchallenged king of that throne uh, for for years and years. McKinnis, uh, for the longest time, uh, was uh, held that title back in the in the nineties, eighties uh, and nineties. Uh, Weber, we always knew, uh, had a hammer shot. Uh, he was always. Uh, been up there when it comes to hardest shots. I believe Ovi did win the hardest shot competition uh, at one point in his career as well, uh, and we know that he can rip it. Um, if I had to guess, just because of size and just, I mean, the physics of it all, I'd have to say uh, Chara, just because, I mean, he had that long stick. He was like seven foot on skates, and he had the weight that he could just put everything uh, behind his shot. I think it's if you're going with those five at their peak, I'd say probably Zdeno Chara. But, I mean, if you're giving them all of them guys at their peak, I think you'd have uh, – I mean, they'd probably all be eclipsing 100. I don't know how hard Bobby Hall shot the puck uh, exactly. But, I mean, if you let them guys wind up, you definitely would have a, a an exciting 
uh, hardest shot competition. But if I was betting and putting money on no, one of those five, I would be putting my money uh, on Zdeno Chara. He was the king of that competition for so long uh, that he just has so much working him, for him physics-wise that I would give him the edge. Uh, question number two comes also from Brian. Uh, what would you attribute most to Jari's turnaround play? Also want to ask, obviously backup goaltender is a need, so do you think it would be a good idea to save Flower from Chicago, meaning Marc-Andre Fleury? Maybe he can be the mentor to Jars as he was to Murray. Uh, okay, first question. Uh, what do you attribute to Jari's turnaround and play? Uh, I think, Robbie, you, you mentioned it. I think you mentioned it earlier. There's something to be said, and you can't really quantify this on a score sheet, but the, the, the mental aspect, the, the, the mental strength and fortitude it takes to to, to be a, a goaltender in the National Hockey League. Uh, I, I regularly have conversations with my dad about what the hardest position in all of sport is to play. And we always go back to NHL goaltender being one of, if not the hardest position position to play, because it's such not, not only is it a, is it a physically often a physically demanding position to play, but the mental the mental strength you need to be able to bounce back quickly after giving up a goal is something that not a, not a lot of players I think can do successfully. And you you mentioned this earlier, Robbie. The playoffs is where Tristan Jari is going to make his money and earn his keep, especially after last year's uh, mental let's mental breakdown. I guess you could call it for whatever reason. Uh, Jari was not there in the playoff series last year. It's going to come down to the playoffs this year. Jari is now a two-time All-Star, and looking at this, some statistics this year, he's 24-8-6 and six with a 221 goals against and a 925 save percentage this season. Very respectable. Looking at some advanced statistics that I know a lot of people use, uh, scoring chance save percentage is up compared to last year. Last year's even strength Scoring chance save percentage was 877. This year it's up to 886. And his high danger scoring chance save percentage last year was 817. This year it's up all the way to 845. That's a pretty substantial increase from 817, an 817 percentage to an 845. Again, that's a high danger scoring chance save percentage. Those statistics are coming from uh, hockeyreference.com as well. So thank you to them for providing those advanced metrics If in case you are one of the people that follows such a thing. But uh, all the statistics, Robbie, paint, paint Jari as a, a deserving all-star this year. But like you mentioned, and I'm going to agree with it, it's going to come down to the mental strength and the mental fortitude. We'll see what kind of Tristan Jari we get. Once we get to game one of the playoffs, whoever they that may be, whoever they play against. And uh, looking at the backup goaltender situation, I'd be all for acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury from the Blackhawks. I don't th I think his numbers have rebounded quite considerably since his dreadful start to the season. The Blackhawks aren't going anywhere. And. Marc-Andre Fleury's statistics this season aren't, you know, they're not eye-catching by any means. But the reason why it's not going to happen is simply because of the salary cap. I mean, everyone would love a feel-good reunion, but unless Chicago is eating some of that salary cap, Pittsburgh would have to shift somebody to Chicago as well to make that work. I think it would be too much of a headache just to consider the backup goalie position. 
with how cap-strapped the Penguins are at the moment, even though, like I mentioned, obviously it would be a feel-good story. Uh, I don't see it happening this year. It could happen in the offseason when Marc-Andre Fleury's contract expires. He becomes an unrestricted free agent. Uh, then he would be willing and he would be able to negotiate with the Penguins for potentially a lesser amount. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, a Marc-Andre Fleury, Fleury reunion probably doesn't happen this season, but who knows? Who knows what could happen once we get to the offseason? Question number three, the final question, comes from Brendan Furiarabi. Brendan wants to know your thoughts on Mark Bathot's comments, his recent comments calling himself his own self a baby for not answering Sidney Crosby's call. Uh, Brendan says, Crosby haters regularly use this Mathot incident as fuel, but Mathot clearly put the kibosh on that. Well, I'd like to start by um, congratulating Mark Mathot on coming to the same conclusion that everybody in Pittsburgh knew um, at, like seven years ago when this originally happened or whatever it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was, uh, again... Crosby's one of the, I mean, he's been a lightning rod for stupid stuff uh, his entire career. The the crybaby stuff, the 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 Squidney Crosby, the Cindy uh, Crosby, whatever has been thrown his way. So, and this was nothing. I mean, what he what he slashed his um, he Crosby slashed his fingers and broke his fingers uh, in a on a face-off or something like, or no, Mathot's not a centerman, but in some kind of sequence during a game, he slashed Mathot in the hand and cut up his fingers, broke his fingers, and Mathot had to miss time. And, um, yeah, it was just a, an overall, it just, yeah, it was just a, another one of those uh, situations where, yeah, I'm sure it sucks to have your fingers broken. I'd never experienced that, and I don't really want to. And, I mean, it keeps you out of the lineup, keeps you from doing your job, especially when, um, you want to be out in the ice with your teammates. And if I recall uh, the year that that happened, Ottawa was not a complete dumpster fire. They were actually a, a decent hockey team and the thought had to miss some crucial time. Um, if I'm wrong on that, someone can correct me uh, whenever, but um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the guy, I mean, Crosby obviously felt bad. He tried to reach out. And even if you're not in the mood for necessarily forgiving, I think you, I mean, take the call. He's being professional, calling to apologize. I don't think Crosby had any ill intent when he, when he slammed I me, mean, Crosby's used a stick like that his entire career. It's just, he hit it the wrong place and the injury happened. So, I mean, good on the thought for, uh, kind of calling himself out and finally taking the high road, but it would have been nice all that time ago. So we'd have to go through another new cycle of, um, Crosby's a baby or Crosby's dirty or anything like that. Yeah, my thoughts are right there with you, Robbie. Good on my thought for for standing up and realizing that that's not the kind of player Sidney Crosby is, despite the pictures that are painted by opposing fans of, like you said, being a crybaby or a dirty player. So good on my thought. Uh, but that will that will wrap up the mailbag. Like I said, Robbie, uh, this is a shorter episode of the podcast, but we'll probably be back to our Typical standard fare next week with more games to dissect. As, as I mentioned, the Penguins are set for a pretty hefty schedule throughout the month of February as we get through the, the previous COVID postponements. So keep it right here at the Pennsburg Podcast and over at Pennsburg.com for all the latest Penguins news and notes. But 
For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will catch you all right here next week.